Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Satiate today. I'm Sue Van Rays, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, author, and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats, both locally and internationally. Food has so much power. Power to nourish, to strengthen, and to connect us to one another. That said, it's a true rarity to find a woman today who is at peace with her plate, with how she eats, how she looks, and how she feels in her body. Satiate is here to engage in meaningful conversation about what it really means to have food and body freedom, to show up in life as who you really are, to trust yourself tracking the intelligent design of your body, and to prosper with embodied self-care in doing so. Satiate offers you functional nutrition and food psychology insights, some of my favorite special guests and experts from all over the world, and some personal insights and anecdotes that can act as salve for your soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That way, you'll be sure to be alerted when new episodes are published and help me spread the word so that other women in need can find their way to this important conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you enjoy today's episode of Satiate. Wendy DeRosa is an international intuitive energy healer, speaker, teacher, and author. She offers education and training programs for developing intuition, spiritual growth, energy healing, and personal transformation to thousands of people from all over the world wanting to develop their intuition and experience personal transformation. She is the founder of the School of Intuitive Studies and the renowned Intuitive Healer Training Program and Certification. Wendy is a leading faculty member of the Shift Network, with more than 100,000 people attending her live events and programs. She has been featured as a teacher on the Mind Valley Spiritual Growth Channel, Suvlana, and has appeared on CBS News, Better Connecticut. She also hosts her own podcast called The Wendy DeRosa Sessions. She is a published author with her newest title, Out Now, Becoming an Empowered Empath. How to Clear Energy, Set Boundaries, and Embody Your Intuitive Powers with New World Library. Her other titles include her best-selling Energy Healing Through the Chakras, A Guide to Self-Healing, and Expanding Your Heart, Awakening Through Four Stages of Spiritual Opening. She is also a contributing author to Bouncing Back, Thriving in Changing Times with Wayne Dyer, Brian Tracy, and John R. Saroff and other leaders in personal growth. For more information about her, you can visit schoolofintuitivestudies.com and wendyderosa.com. It's so great to have you on Satiate, Wendy, and it's also so good to see you. It's been ages, so thank you for taking the time to be here today. 
Thank you so much, Sue. It's so great to be here. And it's great. It's so great to reconnect with you again. Yeah. Well, I know that you have a lot of great work you're doing in the world. And I wanted to have you on today because I feel like there's a pretty interesting intersection of our work, like we've spoken of. And I thought, you know, especially the listeners who are really working on repairing our relationship to food and body, there's so much insight within the work that you do that you can kind of, we can weave into this conversation. And so why don't we start with just a little bit about your work and what it is you do and then kind of how it, how it manifested, because it's so interesting, um, the work you're doing in the world today. I love it. Mm, thank you. I also want to say, I'm so excited we're having this conversation because I really think it's going to help so many people in understanding that intersection between the energetic system and then the physical body and all we're experiencing. I feel like there, we could probably sit here for hours and talk about this. Yeah, it's such absolutely. a great topic. Um, but my background, so I'm an intuitive energy healer and um, I came into it pretty young. I was, I was 19 when I first had what I might call an awakening. I don't know that that's what I would, it's certainly not what I would have called it back then. It was more like um, a whole lifetime of panic attacks escalating into what I would have called back then a nervous breakdown. And um, a lot of, it, interestingly enough, this is interesting. So I, I was the oldest of seven kids, a uh, second oldest, wow. excuse me, I had one older brother. And by, I had, I was very, very sensitive, very intuitive. I was set, I was overly sensitive, absorbing everything else that was going on around me emotionally, et cetera. And by nine, 10, I was, I really blew up in weight. I got very puffy as a child, very heavy. And that developed into depression and anxiety. And then by the time I'm fast forwarding quite a bit. By the time I was 19, I had this, this nervous breakdown is what I called it. Um, I went to the hospital and was put on medication at the time. And I, I knew that that wasn't what I needed. I was really needing support on a deeper level for what was occurring for me. And long story short, I ended up finding a healing teacher who identified this gift um, that I have as an intuitive and as a healer. And it was an untapped aspect of myself that I, I mean, who knows, you know, 19 years old, I didn't, I didn't know, but it was, it, it was opening up pretty early. And, and, and I know now as an adult that that was, you know, in some ways, sometimes our gifts will knock on the door from the inside out for us to see them. And they'll, mm -hmm. they'll be very highly symptomatic until we recognize it. And then it opens up. Um, but once I identified that this is what was going on and I started to train as a healer and, and I got into yoga very young. Um, I mean, back then it was very young. I was 19, 18, people get into it younger nowadays, but that was young back then. And, and um, I just started to work, you know, I trained in it and started to help people. And long story short, by the time I was 30, I had over 500 clients from word of mouth. There was no internet back then and no Facebook or any of that. So it was, you know, hang, hanging flyers and coffee shops with those little tags. Mm -hmm. And, and then my practice grew and then people wanted to learn how to do what I do. So I started teaching classes and then it developed into um, the school of intuitive studies and, and into a healer training program, which is what I offer now. And 
the shift network. I'm a faculty there. And then several books later, here we are. So um, I have a book <laughs> out called um, Becoming an Empowered Empath. And so it really talks about the energetic system. So yeah. that's a, an abridged version of how I got here. Absolutely. And I love the name of your book because I think sometimes when we're empathic, we consider it a burden. We consider it yeah. like it's it's like we have to hold all of this for the people in our lives, for the, the greater collective, for the, the world, which is so tumultuous and chaotic as of lately, as we all know. And so yeah. the, you know, empowered empath really just speaks straight to me, just like, okay, like this is a gift that we can use for the greater good when we learn how. And as we spoke offline, I know many of my clients and many of my listeners are highly sensitive in similar yet, of course, many different ways. And that sometimes is part of the reason that the relationship to food or body is so challenging. And so I'm really glad and excited to just, you know, dig into this with you because I feel like it's something that can really round out some of the conversations I'm having with my clients as well. So it's really exciting for me to hear all about your journey um, and the intensity that must have been for you to go through some of those really challenging, you know, points along the path that you spoke of, like ending up in the hospital and having to be medicated and, you know, then in turn being able to learn what you can do to actually use these as your gifts, you know, as your strengths, these different yeah. aspects of the self. Yeah. Would you be willing to define some terms just so we can kind of set the stage for a conversation? Um, like what is an empath? What is a highly sensitive person? And when you're talking about energy healing, like what do you mean? Just so we mm -hmm. can make sure people are on the same page. Yeah. So, so I'll start with energy healing. Um, because energy healing is, it's a big umbrella term and lots of different things fall under this concept of energy healing. And energy healing is the concept that we are made of energy on a soul level, on a cellular level, even down to the, the, the nucleus of the cell, the atom of the cell, we're made of energy. And the consciousness that lives with inside our energy body informs the cells of our being. And so energy healing means that we are looking at the energetics of the body and we are shifting that energy. Now those energetics could be emotions. They could be imprints from, they could be mental. They can be emotional imprints. They can be psychological. They can be physical imprints from very young in, in this life. And they can be imprints as a soul that we've come into this body with. And so those, those impressions or those energetic imprints impress upon the cellular structure of our form. And so energy healing is about addressing the underlying energy underneath the physical experience in the body and then shifting that energy. A highly sensitive person is someone who, here's what's interesting about it is from my perspective, it's someone who might have all their, uh, aspects of intuition, very activated. So I, in the energy system, I don't know how far we'll go down around this, but um, if it comes up later, I'll drop this seed, but we have four ways that our, our body intuits information. We see, we hear, we feel, we know, and the empathic aspect is just one of those. It's the feeling sense. So we have these three others. We hear, we sense, 
we, we have the feeling sense, we have the knowing sense, and they all are different ways our body intuits information. A highly sensitive person most likely has various forms of those active at the same time. And that makes them highly activated on that internal soul energetic level and then responsive to, you know, environmental impact or information coming in or just whatever they're feeling in the world right now. So the, um, it gets a little bit more complex. We'll see how far we go down the road on that one, but <laughs> there's more to say, but, but the empath is someone who feels the energy of others, and they operate from the clairsentient sense, which is the feeling sense of intuition. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is empaths, that what gets sort of, um, it's sort of synonymous with the empath is I'm an empath, therefore I take on the energy of others. But to, I want to separate those out because the empath is someone who has the gift to be able to feel energy and feel the energy of others through their sentient experience. And that allows someone that allows for connection that allows for validation that allows for communication that allows for deep connection. There's a lot of power that comes from that. The overly empathic experience means that energy has now crossed over my boundaries, my auric field or my physical body and is now crossed into my system. And that's there's a difference here between being empathic and being overly empathic. And the overly empathic is has more to do with what's going on in our own energetic body that's causing that vulnerability inside ourselves. And that might relate to more of the oversensitive experience that people might be having with food and with energy and people and et cetera. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that really clear explanation. It, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. And I think the distinction that I really like is empath versus someone feeling overly empathic, where it almost sounds to me like you know, being in that space where we're overly empathic could create like a system overload in a sense where, yeah. yeah, where we just get overwhelmed and we haven't maybe resourced ourselves or we don't know the tools to kind of create those healthy energetic boundaries. Does that sound yeah, kind of like what absolutely. you're saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so curious if we turn that a little bit to food and body, what, what kind of like, how does that show up for people in your world that you've worked with that maybe would be helpful for other listeners to hear about here? Yeah, I, you know, the food. So I think what I might want to start with, if it's okay to go into this question is a little bit more of an understanding in the chakra system of the low body for empaths, sure. because it relates directly to why we might be having food issues, I think. Is that okay sure. to dive Absolutely. in there? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm a chakra person, which that meaning what my, that, that's the template for a lot of my um, understanding and energy healing and also the backbone to our intuition um, because our intuition is so much about our soul trying to communicate through our consciousness and it communicates differently in the upper body than it would in the lower body. 
So food relates to our lower energy system in, in a lot of ways. And what happens for empaths, for, I'll say it this way, what, what happens for little sensitive beings like us as children is that we come into this world and we are sort of, I'll say, born through root chakra consciousness and the root chakra is at the tailbone for anyone listening who might not know the chakras. I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I am going to explain the first three because they're critical for empathic. And I, I think they might relate to food also. Um, you can feed, give feedback on that too. So, um, so the root chakra is our power center at the base of our spine for safety and survival and belonging and attachment and bonding and security and grounding. But when we're little sensitive beings and we're, we come into this world and zero to seven is that nonverbal experience of development where everything is empathic. Whether we identify as an empath or not, we are in the absorption stage of our personal development and our energetic development. All the information of how we form is coming through this empathic experience of pre-verbal bonding and attachment. And so in that time period, zero to seven, we're getting all this information about how I'm going to feel safe in my body. How am I going to feel a sense of belonging? How am I going to feel like I can be who I am and who I'm here to be? And particularly around emotions. If I'm going to have my emotions, how am I going to, how, how safe do I feel being in my anger, having my grief, feeling tears, whatever it might be, whatever our early childhood programming was it forms that root chakra consciousness. And we don't think about the root chakra. It's not the feeling center in the body, but it's a great deal of our hardwiring and our information. And so what happens here for people who are very sensitive, typically, so I'm gonna make a big generalization here. Typically, certainly in my generation and generations before me, we contracted at the root chakra. We got it really, really early on. It's not safe to be me. It's not safe mm. to be grounded in my body. It's not safe to be who I am or to trust my body or even connect to my body. I have to contract myself and be what everybody else needs me to be. Mm. Well, the chakra system does this amazing compensation where one chakra is blocked, the other one will compensate in some way to do the job for the lack of flow through that area of the body. And so the second chakra, which is the empathic power center of the body, its job, it's feminine in nature. Its job is to feel the subtle and the senses and the smells and the, and the sights and the sounds and be in tuned with nature and to feel the spectrum of our emotions. Well, if I got it, that it's my job to shut down to myself in my root chakra, then I better shut down my emotional needs completely in, in relation to my second chakra and instead open up to what everybody else needs around me and meet those needs in order to survive. I can't ground through myself. So I've got to ground through taking care of other people energetically. And this becomes a deep ingrained pattern in the body that people 
empaths in particular will lose connection to their own emotional self and their own needs emotionally and prioritize the needs of others and peacekeep. Or in some ways, we develop codependent patterns. Interestingly enough, the second chakra, which is the empathic power, power center, can also be a place where early on food addiction can form in the body because we, again, we lose connection to that deep inherent sense of, I can't be in relationship with my own emotions or get them met. So I've got to find these ways to satiate using your word to get these deeper, this deeper sense of connection in myself met. The third chakra is similar to the second in that it will do the same. We, or we uh, navigate through life through that gut brain instinctual sense of the body, you know, that, that instinctual sense of navigating the world. But this power center, when the root chakra, when we don't have enough flow and grounding going through the root, the second and third chakras will open and compensate. And that third chakra goes directly into the stomach goes directly into our mm. digestive organs and our neurotransmitters to our brain and our, our microbiome and everything that's held on that gut level. And so it's about processing, not just, di or dr not just digesting food, but digesting life mm -hmm. through the gut, through the solar plexus. And so this whole profile that's going on in those first three chakras of the body for the empath is that this is where we lose boundaries. This is where we lose connection to our, ourselves and being in our power in this area of the body. And this is also the area that infiltrates our food, our body, how we might be in relationship with our food. So I'll start there, but that's... <laughs> I wanna take a short pause from today's conversation with Wendy DeRosa to tell you about my upcoming women's group program beginning October 17th, 2022. Make peace with your plate, women's circles. This is a comprehensive 10-week women's circle to help you harmonize your relationship to food and your body. I know that food can be so stressful. What we eat, how much we are eating, Understanding what foods best fuel our bodies can feel like an impossible and overwhelming conundrum. The way we look and feel in our bodies can also impact our daily happiness, joy, and ability to feel good in our worlds. So many times we find ourselves going down the rabbit hole of social comparison or self-judgment and feeling like we're just not doing it good enough. I know these constant critical thoughts about your body and what you're eating are surely not making these tumultuous times in history any easier. In fact, so many of us are overwhelmed, overextended, anxious, and really not making enough time for ourselves, especially in the realms of how to most effectively nourish ourselves, satiate our bodies, and feel good about how we're showing up in our world to give back to our own circles of life. When we find ourselves self-soothing with food to then beat ourselves up about it for days or hours to come, it can really weigh us down and diminish our overall quality of life. I want to tell you that I have been specializing in women's 
functional nutrition and food psychology for the past two decades. And I've been called to uncover many layers of my own food story, but also to help others do the same. The Make Peace With Your Plate Women's Circles are here to teach you how to ditch the drama around food, learn how to eat to feel how you want to feel, so that you can stop stressing and start fully living. I know that group settings are such a powerful container to create momentum, soulful connection, and deep transformation. And I know these groups will take us on a powerful journey, creating both individual and collective healing. If you want to find out more about Make Peace With Your Plate Women's Circles, you can do so at bouldernutrition.com. If you have questions, you're also welcome to send me a message at sue at bouldernutrition.com. And not only that, be sure to check out our amazing roster of incredible guest teachers for these 10-week circles, including the amazing Wendy DeRosa. Now, back to our conversation with Wendy. One that I just want to recap, it sounds like that um, that first chakra kind of shut down and what you were talking about is like taking care of everyone else around you and feeling through them and kind of overly being in tune with what's going on around us with those people in our lives. I'm curious, would that then potentially lead to people pleasing? It sounds like yeah. that would be and, kind of um, the root of that. Hypervigilance, mm-hmm. people pleasing, codependency forms mm-hmm. out of that pattern. Codependency, meaning I've, I'm, I shut down to myself. And my sense of self then is nurtured by the, the other person's need being met either by me or yeah, they're, that they're, yeah, that they're okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then you really hit it in two different ways that I think are really relevant, um, moving up the chakras to the next two, the, the second and the third, because we've got, you know, the issue around food being a way to kind of basically stuff our emotions or eat our emotions or various ways that we numb out so that we can avoid having to feel what might be overwhelming. And then secondly, I really loved how you brought in the digestive piece and the microbiome and potentially food allergies or things that might be more third chakra related um, kind of in your examples. So it really kind of covered a lot of different aspects around food. So I really appreciate that. Go ahead. I wanted to, is that okay to comment on, on two Absolutely. thoughts from what you're saying? One is that it's interesting to think about with food and stuffing with emotions, which emotions are harder. And I'm just thinking for anyone who's feeling like, wow, I, you know, grief is an easy one for me to be with, but anger, forget it. Anytime anger comes up, I shut down. I want to go eat. I, you know, I feel impulsive, whatever it might be. It'd be interesting to explore, you know, what was anger like for you as a child? Did you have permission to feel it? Was it modeled? Was it modeled in a scary way? Was it, you know, was it safe for you to feel anger or, you know, insert any emotion there? It'd be interesting to um, just really pull apart the different emotions in general and 
I, I love the practice in the second chakra in particular of imagining my little self there in the second chakra area of the body, like a little version of me, a child version of me having a total tantrum, like in a room by myself, being able to have the full spectrum of my emotions from rage to bliss, jumping jacks to punching bags, like being able to let my little self explore that range of emotion, because it might be that there is a little self in us that didn't get to have that full range. And so when we give ourselves that experience, it helps, it actually helps us process some old energy that might be in that place that could help with, you know, food or, you know, what we, how we might medicate those emotions in general. And I really love looking at the emotions separately, like you mentioned, because there are those trigger emotions for most of us and maybe other safe emotions. And when we start to like explore within each of them, I think we might gain even more insight into like some of our automatic behaviors and patterns that show up when those emotions arise. Um, So thank you for that little distinction. It's so helpful. Yeah. And and one more thing to add here is that grounding is is the most important part of these lower three chakras is that I visualize the grounding cord for myself, this tree trunk image from around my hips to the center of the earth is this you've heard, maybe heard the term, the grounding cord, Mm -hmm. that it literally is this energetic bond, this attachment to the center of the earth to help us feel connected and stable and grounded. And that's, that's one way to ground. There's other ways to ground, but feeling that connection can really be helpful because when it comes to food, this goes back to actually one of your original questions is that when we feel so much overwhelm in the lower chakras of the body on that subtle level, whether we realize it's lower chakras or not, when we feel that overwhelm, sometimes medicating, taking in food is grounding. It's Mm -hmm. a form of getting grounded inside ourselves. And that's, that's a beautiful compensation for how our body might need to energetically ground and you know, it only works for only works in our wellness for, a, you know, so, so far until we develop other tools, like learning how to ground in a healthy way. So our body doesn't need so much, you know, of certain types of foods to get that same full feeling. Yeah. And I would imagine even there's probably in a sense, an, a lack of satiation when we're feeling overwhelmed that we it's not necessarily like we're when we're feeding our body to ground, but we're starting from an overwhelmed place, you know, it might take more than what we realize or what we need for our well-being, more food or certain types of food that could easily start to throw us out of balance down the road if we're not able to use other tools in the, in our path. Right. It's like, yeah. Like it's not true grounding. It's just passive or medicating the overwhelm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Mm. One of the things I wanted to ask you kind of segueing from this, because I'm sure there's a lot of questions like what can we do about it? And one thing you share um, on your website is the power of being able to turn oversensitivity into a strength with our intuition or within our own maybe um, agency 
Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Like when we are feeling this over, when we are feeling this oversensitivity, how can that turn towards strength for our um, day to day? Yeah. So, you know, the, um, like a fellow yogi here, that analogy on the mat work and off the mat <laughs> work, it's like the, the deeper practice that we continue to practice so that it works in the world. Um, there's a longer answer to the, there's a longer process answer to the question. And then there's a little more of a con conceptual sort of tools to work with. So the longer answer is that we begin to become intimately connected to the power we hold in those first three chakras of our body, coupled with doing the deep healing work, that we learn to unravel the wounds that we hold in those lower three chakras, that we process old hurt, that we process powerlessness, or anything else, any of our history, our story that we might be carrying or holding in those lower three chakras from an energetic perspective. And this is why I say this is that we have in the energetic body, I think the energetic system is important for people who are sensitive and empathic and intuitive to understand because energy isn't all about what's going on out there. It's also about what, how, what our system is doing and how our system is operating. This is why I think the chakras are so important for giving people a template to understand their inner energy. So we have this beautiful central channel in our body, the Shashumna Nadi, it runs through and in front of the spine and through the chakras of the body. And that's our center of self. That's our life force. That's where we our soul commingles with divine consciousness, you know, the universe. And through those power centers, we radiate our sense of presence and our power and our light and whatever gifts we come into this world with. And we also have all of these meridians through our body and we have an auric field outside our skin and for boundaries and how we turn this into this oversensitivity experience is that we think about our energy doesn't end like here at the skin, it ends outside the auric field. And we can put up, a, there's a, a common tool in energy work where we'll say, I'll put this bubble of light around myself and some yoga practices. Also, I'll put this bubble of light around myself and it's and it's very protective and I, and I, and it is, it's a really, really great tool, but it doesn't shift the inner state. And so that tool can work for so long um, until it gets to the point where I can't maintain, it can't maintain, it can't, it doesn't have staying power. So mm -hmm. the deeper work is that I'm healing and clearing at the core of my being, allowing for more radiance through that central channel more of my power, my light to radiate from the center of my being. Now we can do that by showering light through the center of our center channel of our body. We can do it from illuminating from our soul, from the inside out. And sometimes we have to do it through our breakdowns and our tears and our crying and our grief and our, you know, and our humanness. We have to go through the, the journey of healing to allow more of that light to emerge. And that inner boundaries that radiates from the inside out, that's the light of our soul. 
that communicating through our chakra system starts to awaken more of our intuition, more of listening to our body, listening to self, listening to the physical experiences in the body. Like when the body has stomach aches or headaches or shoulder pain or back pain, whatever it is that we're tuning in and, and listening to the body. And we can, we can create more space for our intuition through this radiance inside ourselves. And at the same time, be able to take up space to where our energy through radiance is holding boundaries empathically. Hmm. I love that. And I love that you bring in, I mean, the term radiance really kind of shifts the energy from this weighted heaviness of what we might feel like is burdensome in some ways, um, living in the world, which is already intense. And when, you know, from that empathic place, it can feel like really intense at times. I know for myself anyways, um, and bringing the light into it feels like just such a relief that there's this ability to self soothe through that practice of illuminating and radiance. It's like, it just sounds very, um, like a big relief that that's possible. Yeah. And we can so connect to our, again, through that radiance, again, it's the light of our soul. Like what is our, how is our soul guiding us? What Mm -hmm. is it speaking? What is it? What is the knowing? What is the, the visions, you know, what our intuition works in all these different ways. What are the messages that are coming through? And as we allow for more of that, that deep intuitive listening inside our being, we're allowing for more, uh, more, um, more of a, a platform in a way for us to live our work in the world, to live our purpose and why we're here to emerge from within parts of us that have been stuffed and closeted and suppressed, you know, and, and in some cases food can just add the, add the, um, the density on, you know, and, and keep that from that radiance. And so how can not all, and I mean, that's a generalization, but I mean, and if we're medicating in that way, obviously food, we want to be able to enhance our radiance and support it right, right. with that. But the, um, but that sense of, you know, what is the soul? What is the soul here? What does my soul have to say or express in this experience? Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. When, when you were speaking of grounding and saying that there were other ways to ground it, like we can include the grounding cord that you mentioned, but what are some ways that you feel like are healthy grounding practices that people can explore um, to really give themselves that tether to body and earth and, you know, a sense of safety in the self um, and, and how, and how frequent and how, you know, how can we regulate that within our own daily lives? Yeah. So um, because we live in a world that is highly technology, 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 and a lot more concrete and pavement and a lot of things that It's a lot more, there's faster energy, a lot more that takes us from the natural earth. We do have to work more on grounding than maybe 200 years ago, 100 years ago. So that being said, grounding scientifically, there's actually studies on this, that grounding ultimately it means earthing, which is earthing means that the soles of our feet are making contact 
with the natural soil of the planet. So literally walking on the earth barefoot puts us in a, in, and connects us to our earth, earth channels and rhythm of the body. And that can grounding really means that the energy that has been escalated higher in my body is now coming down into my legs and feet. And it's also coming in towards the central channel. So we typically will go out to the periphery and up by just waking up in the morning and having a to-do list. So our work is how do I come down into the body and more in to the center of our being to feel ourself and feel center. So some ways we can ground are again, getting out into nature, um, walking on the earth in mid-January in Colorado or wherever cold climates might be, may not be uh, the wisest thing or the most comfortable thing to do. So you don't have to, but getting out into nature, breathing fresh air, gazing at the horizon, um, getting out in those really pranified times, like early morning and sunset, sunrise and sunset can be really beautiful times to, to really let the senses calm and be soothed in, um, in, our, in our energy system. Sleep is very grounding. Sometimes we're so stressed and overtired because our body's so deeply tired that we really need to tack on an extra hour each night to add more sleep to our schedule, to be able to, uh, to, to again, have more grounding. Um, honestly, food, food can be very grounding, particularly, you know, certain foods at certain seasons, all seasons, but there's sometimes more seasons that are more about the earth mm -hmm. and grounding, um, can be very beneficial, um, energetically the grounding cord image. So, and then there's other things. Some people like to use essential oils or, you know, may sometimes herbs, those are a little out of my arena to, to, you know, suggest, but there are other options also. And just making sure grounding is so much about being in the body. So making sure you're tending to your body and what mm -hmm. your body needs and listening to your intuition on what your body needs. Yeah. Some suggestions. I Absolutely. I can't help, but think you and I both share a love for, um, the Nosara Costa Rica area. And one of the things that I find when I travel there, I'm sure we could talk about this for an entire episode, but you know, the lifestyle of what is considered one of the seven blue zones in that Nikoi Peninsula of Costa Rica, it really holds a lot of those grounding elements within the daily rhythm. The, yeah. you know, being able to walk barefoot on the sand, being the sunsets, being like the feature you know, kind of exciting part of the day, meeting people down at the beach. And it's like such a, uh, an event to watch the sunset and to be able to be outside so much and at sea level and um, a little bit more simplified living. I'm sure we um, could both agree that that would be an example of a very grounding lifestyle in a sense. And I always come back from my retreats feeling like feeling my best after 10, 12 days, like living that. Um, do you agree that that sort of yeah. speaks to some of the things you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I recently had the experience of living down there, um, even just in community, like not in retreat, but just 
being in the town that my husband grew up in and being able, my daughter went to school there and sort of living a work-life balance there. And I would say the same was true. It wasn't just about, um, you know, it was really about just being in the environment. And I remember mm -hmm. saying, you know, the energy, like, I don't have to work so hard on myself because the environment mm -hmm. does the work for me. Like, it's just this essence energy you're marinating in that just calms everything down. It's you know, so it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't get it at first. Like I've been going down there for, I don't know, almost 15 years. And it took me a while to start to really get like why I would feel so good. You know, yeah. my circadian rhythm would be really good. My, you know, the, my relationship to the sun and, you know, getting going to bed earlier because it gets dark at the same time every day, being closer to the equator and walking so much and just eating so simply and so local and all these little tiny elements that add up to so much in our daily routine. So you said it so beautifully that we don't have to try so hard, but every time I come yeah. back, I'm like, okay, how can I bring a little bit more of this back with me? and turn it into my Colorado lifestyle so that I, I can get the essence of those daily routines and shift them a little bit for the exact same reason, just for that grounding, physical releasing and, you know, um, you know, just, you know, tending to the body in the really primal way that feels so, so healing. So yeah. um, thank you. I just wanted to kind of touch on that because I know we share that that place as one of our, you know, power places, I think. Um, yeah. And I feel yeah. everything you're saying is, yes, I feel you. It's, it's been my experience and yeah, <laughs> I got a whole house humidifier after coming back this trip. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's like, how can I bring how a little bit that? more of the blue zone living back to my day to day? Yeah. Right. It always is and always little tiny new things every year. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is in your book, Becoming an Empowered Empath, um, you say that empaths experience the world through intuition often. And, you know, intuition is a word I think that sometimes gets thrown around and not always clear. Like, can you speak to it a little bit more? Because I yeah. think there's just a way we can tap into that without it being or feeling like this big project, right? It's like, it's right there, but sometimes it feels so far. Yeah. And I, I sort of dropped this seed earlier thinking, yeah. like, oh, I wonder if we'll unpack this a little more. Cause I think it is important. Um, so one of the things that I teach in, in my book and, and where everywhere else is <laughs> that we have four aspects of intuition. There's clairvoyant, which is the seeing sense, clairaudient, which is the hearing sense, um, clairsentience, which is the empathic feeling sense and claircognizance, which is the knowing sense. And th these are, they relate to the chakras. Clairsentience is very much first, uh, second and third chakras. Claircognizance is heart and back body, throat chakras. The clairaudient and clairvoyant is third eye. So they really relate to these power centers in our body. But what's interesting is some people will experience, you know, all four of them at the same time or two of them at the same time. And when we, we don't always know that there are different ways our body's intuiting information, it can be really overwhelming. So I'll give you an example. 
where someone who might be visual, I get these, I had this dream. I um, get these pictures or these downloads, but I don't know what they mean. I can't interpret. I don't know if it's premonitory. I don't know if I'm making this up. Don't know if I can trust it. Not sure. The way we get the answers intuitively is by tuning into another sense, another clair sense in our body. So I would say, okay, let's tune into the claircognizant sense because that's the knowing sense. That part of us will give us a body sensation. It will be chills. It will be sometimes a gut feeling. The claircognizant sense is very kinesthetic. It's like People who feel they're claircognizant, they know because they know because they know, and they don't know how they know, they just know. And yet they might get their intuitive, you know, insights on a walk, or they might get them, you know, they might get the chills or the shakes, or the, it's very physical, very kinesthetic. So when we ask our body, well, what does this mean? Or how do I interpret this? We might get an answer from somewhere else inside ourselves. So there's a way that intuition, I always say it's a little more complex than just the voice inside. It is the yeah. voice inside. And it's some people it's their, it's their body sensations. For some people it's, they get, they hear messages. Like I just heard the word, you know, you know, blue sky. I don't know where, why I'm, why I heard this word, why it came through, or some people get vivid dreams or their high visionary sense. They're, um, like CEOs of companies or managerial or visionaries, they're, they're clairvoyance. They don't, wouldn't call themselves that, but that's, they have a strong third eye center that allows them to have these higher visions. And it's just a different way that our body into its information. Now, in order for us to get clear in any of it, it's about grounding. It's about grounding down into our body and tuning in and listening, feeling, sensing, knowing, kind of exploring in these clairs. So there's a lot more to say about them, but that's, that's a little yeah. overview. Yeah. I would love to know because you've been doing this work for so long, literally since you were young child or teenager and really learning about the different nuances within intuition for yourself, can you think of a time where you had a strong intuition and you overrode or ignored or didn't listen? And then you were able to look back in hindsight and be like, whoa, like it was there. I just, I wasn't feeling either strong enough or confident enough or clear enough to listen to it. And then X, Y, and Z happened as a result. I'd love yeah. to know if you have a story. Well, I would say the majority of my twenties, no, I'm kidding. I was, <laughs> <laughs> the, well, here's what I, so I have recognized that anxiety in my system is intuition. Like mm. when I'm feeling, um, overwhelmed, anxious, my, my intuition is saying something's not right here. And I think back sometimes to like, it mostly with my work, when I've done like development around my work, I think I could have over, I, I could have gone past a lot of, I don't know what I'll call it, business chaos by listening to my intuition when things were too much for me or overwhelming, or I didn't understand it. I could have 
come at it in a different way or slowed it down in hindsight. I also, in my 20s, I, I do remember my, I, I, re, I had this really strong connection to spirit guides and angels very early on. And I didn't, it was scary to me initially, but I kept getting guided to, um, to turn to this aspect of my gift and understand more but I wouldn't say yes to it. I was a musician. I wanted to, at the time I was so into like singer songwriter life and trying to make it as a musician. And I was doing nothing but swimming upstream and banging my head against the wall until my, my higher guidance kept saying like, you, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? It's here for you. And I kept saying, no, 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 not that directly just through my actions. I was ignoring it. And I have had so many experiences of literally like, I mean, I don't know, it's not enough time to go through all of them, but like this, you know, this experience of banging my head against the wall and um, really harm happening to me for not listening to the gifts or to the messages or to the intuition that was right here in front of me. If I just said yes to it, life would have been a lot smoother. And finally I did. And when I did, all of a sudden my whole life opened up in a way I could never, ever, ever have planned. Like even as a young college student, no, if anyone ever said to me, you're going to be an intuitive healer and write books and run a school and all of that, there is no way I would have, have known that that young, all I knew was I have to figure out my life at this age. But if I surrendered into what, where I was being guided and what was being asked of me in this life, then it broke every mold that was ever prepared mm. for me, you know, and, or the systems that I needed to abide by. It's just yeah. one, yeah. One knocking down after another. <laughs> I can mm. so totally relate to that. And also mm. I love that it's like the mold really hits home because I think a lot of us have the experience of the mold, not fitting and so then, you know, we're just like up against like, what do we do with that? And when we can start to trust that inner listening for me, anyways, I was like, I'm just going to make my own mold. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. make it my way. And it wasn't totally well received, you know, by people in my life and by, you know, society in a sense, but at the same time, I'm sure you can relate to this. It also felt like there was no option. You know, right. like looking back, I'm like, right. whoa, I did a lot of things out of the box at a young age, but it wasn't as a rebellion. It was as like a survival skill almost. Mm -hmm. um, so it just kind of reminded and me. And breaking you know, the molds. Yeah. And breaking the molds that, that, yeah. that were outdated or completely not well paired with, you know, each of us in different ways. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I was going to just add this, that I remember early on in my work, the word intuition was a very closeted word. And I know it still is in some areas mm -hmm. of the, the country and the world, but I, we've come so far. I've seen so much has woken up online through our, on, you know, throughout the communication systems of being virtual in many ways. And so now we can have a conversation about intuition, but way back then people would ask me what I do. And I'd say, I do consulting <laughs> or <laughs> I, you know, I 
life coach. I would just throw anything in that was like a more middle of the road until I could under see if the person was more open for more information, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate. That's <laughs> yeah. um, like people thinking that I basically coach people on what to eat, which it's not that I don't, it's just that there's so much more to it than that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. When we get into the deeper layers of the self and the spiritual layers and the soulfulness and like all of the different ways that we can heal our relationship to food and body, there's a lot of different nuance within it beyond yeah. the actual food. Um, on that note, um, I have a question. I love to ask this question on my podcasts in the name of the podcast being satiate. Um, what does that mean to you? What does satiate mean to you? Mm. I love the word and it even came out of my mouth earlier. Um, realizing, well, I would say, here's what I'd say for what it means to me is that I am sourced, fulfilled and met through my I would say my, my sensory experience, which does, does include food. It gets, I'm in balance. I'm met and fulfilled and in balance in my body, body, mind, and soul. I guess that's what I'd say. That's lovely. Thank you. And so great that we can wrap it into like all that you've spoken of really. Um, mm. There's beauty in those words. And I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Wendy, it's, I, I feel like there is so much conversation to be had here. And I'm just really grateful that we have this time. And I know there's more to come, but I feel really grateful to share the space with you today. And, and I can't wait to share this episode with our listeners. Well, thank you so much, Sue. This was an honor and it was, it was a joy. I'm so glad to be able to tie in the empath conversation with food. I think it's really, really important. So thank you for trusting me and having me. Absolutely. So my pleasure. It is such an honor to spend time with you here on Satiate and may this conversation be of benefit. From my heart to yours, I wish you health and happiness for the coming season, and may we meet again here very soon. Take good care.